wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is a fantastic uh, privilege to be able to share with you. Can you believe it? It's just six sleeps until Christmas uh, this week. Uh, we're looking at the uh, first coming of Jesus Christ. Now, yesterday, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Will looked at what's a fairly controversial question. Uh, is Christmas pagan and should I celebrate Christmas? Now, look, folks, if you want to hear that uh, that program, you can actually pick it up uh, on the Faith FM app. You can replay any of our previous programs on that app. Just download that app from your favorite app store. You're looking for Faith FM Australia, and uh, and then you can uh, listen uh, to uh, to any previous program that has been played. Uh, now, uh, for the rest of this week, uh, we are going to dig into the subject of the uh, first coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we recognise that there's, there's no biblical command uh, to celebrate. Uh, we accept, however, that most of the Christian world are thinking of this event uh, during during this event. So... Why not talk about it? And so we're talking about that this week. Uh, today, we want to ask, did the Old Testament really foretell Jesus Christ? Uh, and today, our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, welcome to you once again. Well, thanks, Pastor Gary. And uh, man, this, this Christmas this year has come around so quick. And have you done your Christmas shopping? Oh, don't talk about it. Um, uh, I, I have got one more present to, um, uh, to, to buy and that is, uh, for my, for my wife. And, uh, for some reason that, uh, that, that one is always, a uh, a challenging, uh, a challenging one to. It's very uh, tricky, isn't it? I, I asked, uh, some of my, uh, children, um, what their grandchildren would like, what their children would like for, uh, for Christmas. So I've got some, um, handwritten notes that was, um, uh, photocopied and sent to me from the kids and I can just read their writing just because it's good to know what to actually buy them because every year you know you kind of get them something that doesn't last and really they don't really appreciate it so what they would like that's kind of what we're doing now and and then we pick out a go through that list and pick out something for them so there. do you get dressed up as Santa Claus well at Christmas time when we all gather together I have a, a little hat a Christmas hat on as we what we do is we actually um, come together for a lunch and we all sit together and the children uh, uh, actually wait just before we eat and then we share the presents all together. So we're all in one place and, and one child's not opening one and the other another. We actually give them out one by one so we can actually see the joy and and, it, and giving is the idea, isn't it? You know, oh, that's oh, it is. It certainly is. And look, Eric, one thing you must tell me, you have quite a, a reasonably large family. How do you manage to get them all together? 
Well, it just, uh, Pastor Gary, just seems to click together, really. Um, yeah, they're spread far and wide now. Victor Harbour out at Clear now, uh, two wells, uh, and in the city here. So what we do is, uh, this year, uh, we're having, uh, Christmas lunch with, uh, uh Suzanne down at Victor Harbour. So Darren's gonna take his caravan and, uh, their family's gonna stay at uh, one of the caravan parks there. My other son from Clear's coming in the night before and, and staying with Shannon. And then we all just travel the hour and a half uh, to Victor Harbour and, and we all gather together. So that's four children, nine grandchildren. It's going to be wonderful and, and we really appreciate Christmas. It's, it's, we, we all look forward to it and it's, it's a time when we can all be together in the one place. Um, often during the year we do get together uh, but this is just a, a special time isn't it where you can sit down and just uh, and think about what uh, the birth of Christ and, uh, and reflect on the year and, and what family means to us, I think it's really important, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you actually make a really good point there. You know that that being able to spend time, quality time with your children, is certainly the thing that I've come to appreciate now that I'm a grandfather myself. It's one of those uh, those times that uh, well we don't actually get enough of it you know no. do we I mean yeah. Christmas can become so commercialized yeah well as believers you know we have a, a real special bond at Christmas time don't we to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are also our family as mm. a real a real plus because as I've gone out and seen the lights um, I remember just a few years ago we used to see the the nativity scene set out in some place but now very rarely do I see uh, the birth of Jesus being portrayed. I just see yeah. the, the glittering lights and other things. Uh, and it, it, to me, it's a sadness that uh, we don't see that more around. There was one place I saw the other day that had Jesus Christ written up in big, beautiful letters and had the nativity scene down there. The only one I've seen this year. Mm, mm. No, you, you've, it's very true. It's actually becoming quite rare, which is actually really sad. Yes. Really, really sad. But look, let's come to our, our World Watch, uh, our World Watch segment. And this one comes from our Sunny Skies. Uh, website, one that I really appreciate. It's, it specializes in, uh, good news that, uh, that's occurring around the, around the traps. And, uh, this one, uh, was a little bit challenging because it talked about, uh, uh, time, uh, who we spend our time with over the course of our lives. And, uh, it, it highlighted some, uh, some graphs that, uh, the author had actually picked up from, uh, uh, from one of the, uh, uh social media sites. And, uh, he looked at the, firstly, time spent with family. And that was graphed from the, you know, from a young age through, right through to the end of your life. And, uh, of course, at the uh, beginning of your life, probably the first 20 years, uh, you know, you're spending a fair bit of time with, uh, with immediate family. The key takeaways that uh, uh, the author presented on this uh, uh, on this graph was time with family is limited, and you watch in the certainly in the late teens the amount of time that people tend to spend with their family plummets dramatically. And his conclusion was time with family is limited, and then secondly, time with parents declined sharply after the age of 20. And then uh, his conclusion uh, on uh, on this particular graph was prioritise and cherish every single moment. And then there was another graph, time spent with friends. And uh, once again, uh, this seemed to uh, major uh, in the late teens, uh, 
major in the late teens, the early early twenties, and uh, before dropping off uh, once uh, once marriage uh, comes along and uh, tends to plateau uh, for the rest of life. But again. The author gave a number of key takeaways. He, he said that some of these things, embrace friendship breadth, but focus on depth. And to me, as I, uh, as I read that, I thought, hey, that is incredibly wise. Uh, cherish those who are with you through good times and bad times. Invest your energy in healthy, meaningful relationships that last. And then, of course, there was another graph, a time spent with your partner. And, of course, this took a uh, a major uh, rise in generally the mid, uh, around about the mid-20s, um, plateaus for a, a number of years until retirement comes along. And when there is tends to be an increase in the amount of time people spend with their uh, with their partner, then, of course, there was time spent with uh, with children. Uh, and uh, and of course, time spent with children. Uh, this uh, this certainly uh, uh, when when children are in their um, in their pre teenage years was the uh, major opportunity for spending time uh, with children. And uh, the author's takeaways on uh, on that time was again, I felt I felt very significant. Time with your children is short. The magic years will fly by. If you let them be present every single moment, slow down and embrace the sweetness that children will bring to your life. And then there was, uh, um, and then there was one graph that it was the final graph in the, the series actually that looked at time spent alone. And this one, uh, to me was incredibly challenging because, uh, from about the mid thirties up, uh, the graph declared and has, it was officially researched, was slowly increasing until finally a person is in their, uh, declining years when they're spending significant amounts of time alone. Now, look, Eric, the thing that this really uh, I suppose brought home to me is, uh, you know, there is so much commercialization at a Christmas time. Uh, and yet I'm also conscious that there seems to be a lot of lonely people out there. And certainly if this graph is to be believed, uh, certainly the older you are, the more likely it is that you uh, will have a certain degree of loneliness in, in your life. Uh, in summary, the, um, uh, the author uh, made these comments. Family time is limited. Cherish it. Friend time is limited. Prioritize real ones. Partner time is significant. Never settle. To, never settle. Children's time is precious. Be present. Eric, tell me something. We say Christmas is a family time, but are you conscious? I mean, you're, you're like myself. As a, you know, you're involved in in ministry. Are you noticing that there's certainly a, a, a percentage of people who can be very lonely at this time of the year? Yeah, I don't. I think not only at this time of the year, but throughout the year, there are many who, um, <clears throat> who through one reason or another, don't have the the family backup support. Um, going back many years, that that you and I 
uh, have are blessed to have. And I meet them, you know, through the weeks and, um, and they often go to craft groups and they've got to join clubs. So they do get some sort of, um, activity going. And I feel sorry for those folks who either one way or another don't talk to their families anymore or mm. have never had children, uh, and have lost their friends. I mean, years ago we had the community spirit where, you know, we used to get a, a, a ball and go out and play on the street and the parents would come out and talk to one another. We used yeah, to yeah. have, um, in some places today, still have it where they'll have a Christmas party in the street mm. and have the street mm. and where the neighbours can come out. I think a lot of that has been lost and we we don't actually realise the loneliness around us. I yeah. think we're so caught up in our own world and what we're doing, we often forget just how lonely people are. When I go into the old folks' home and visit some people, I, I see some sad cases there and often the nurses will say, well, these folks have never had anybody's visited them this year, you know? Mm. And and it, it, it really really is quite sad in a way and I regret in my life that I didn't spend more time with my parents that when I got married I got caught up in my world and I really should have um, paid more attention to mum and dad who did so much for me mm. and, and with my young children I know when I was working hard and had two jobs uh, trying to you know make a living to get us through those years um, that I didn't really I can't get those years back. I would have liked quality time with them. Mm. So now I try and pour it out on my grannies and them now, you know, yeah. when I yeah. can. Yeah. So we do have regrets in our lives, but yeah. I think you're right. I think there's a lot that uh, th- these statistics show us. The loneliness one is way above uh, all the other graphs here, yeah. and it really, really does highlight in the Western world uh, how bad it is. I mean, I'm in the Philippines, and over there it's all family-orientated where they do love one another and take, take the elderly in there and and, and um, other poor countries where they seem to just um, respond to family. In the yeah. Western world, we don't tend to do that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you totally there. You know, one of the things that I've, I've had the privilege of doing is certainly visiting in some of the uh, Pacific uh, island island countries mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, the village is is heart and core of uh, of society. Yeah. Uh, whereas here in, uh, you know, certainly the the secular West, it's everything revolves around around the individual and as a result you're getting huge numbers of um, lonely people out there, I know that uh, you know. To me, um, my heart goes out. I mean, as a uh, as a pastor, I have opportunity to visit uh, numerous times uh, in uh, in aged care and uh, and visiting people. And uh, I'm just real so conscious that uh, uh, there are some in in aged care who very rarely. Uh, get a get a visit now. The staff do a wonderful job, yeah. absolutely. Well, but they are overworked as well. Uh, you know, they can only do so much, and even the best staff member can never take the place of a of a family member. Mm. And uh, to to me, I suppose increasingly, my heart just goes out to. Uh, to those people who, you know, maybe, you know, don't get, uh, to see, see family, uh, sometimes, as you correctly point out, for month after month after month after month, sometimes even on significant occasions. I think too, Pastor Gary, the way the uh, media and, um, the way technology, 
uh, has come into our lives where, you know, you, you'd sit down and talk with your family at mealtime and uh, in the past, mm. and now there's all sorts of uh, things happening around us. And I think a lot of that time's taken up by these things where we don't sort of get used to sitting down, just having a chat with somebody. We're, we're caught up with, uh, with uh, media and, and uh, technology and what we're, what we're into, always looking up Facebook and things, and we don't actually sit face-to-face and have a great conversation, a meaningful conversation with our loved ones. We think we'll yeah. just flick them a call or, or whatever. But to sit face-in-face, face, that's, the, that's what they want. Yeah. I, I, I can actually cringe when, I'm actually, when I go out and, you know, to a restaurant yeah. and uh, I see you know, a table of eight people and six of them are sitting there you know, on their mobile yeah. phones. Yeah. And uh, you know, I almost feel like shouting, you know, it is very rude. Uh, put them away, please, you yeah. know. And uh, uh, to me, uh, as, I, as I look at, you know, Christmas time, it's a family-based time. Amen. But to me, the family-based time means being able to take one-on-one, to look the other person in the eye, mm. to not be just functioning through, uh, through technology, uh, but rather to be spending time and sharing together. Uh, you know, to me, I'm, I'm so conscious, again, that as a, uh, as a pastor... Uh, when your person gets to the end of their life, um, they uh, might say, hey, you know, I've got a few regrets here, but um, often one of the biggest regrets is I didn't spend enough time with my family. Yeah, and that's that's the realisation we come to, isn't it? And, and often we think about it too late. So now is the time. Now is the time to, to, you know, to speak to a loved one, maybe someone you haven't spoken to for a while or visited. Now is the time to go and see them. And, and you know, it's a shame that it's the festive year that has to bring us around to do that, but at least it gets us to do that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's brilliant. Wonderful. And, and, and it is Christmas season, yes. so, I mean, yeah. hey, what a... What what sort of an opportunity it is to be able to say, hey, look, you know, I mightn't have done it, you know, all that regularly this year, mm. but I'm going to make this season a highlight for somebody else mm. that uh, might be feeling down flat mm. or simply lonely. Amen. Yeah. Look, let's come to some music. It is Christmas time. Uh, I, I, I love some of the traditional uh, carols of the uh, of the church uh, and uh, love, uh, love Vince Gill here. Oh, come. Uh, all you faithful, please, uh, please enjoy uh, this uh, this particular rendition. I believe it's very powerful.
faithful uh, amazing amazing little rendition that one folks we do have a giveaway a book uh, for you for you this week uh, it's counting down to Christmas so I give a book uh, away book this week's entitled who is Jesus this is a nice simple one now look there's something about being able to share your faith with others. Now, look, if you want to request one of these books and then give it to a friend and say, hey, look, I got this off Faith FM and uh, just share with them uh, what the reason for the season really is, then more than happy for you to actually do that. Uh, the back cover of uh, uh, of this particular book, all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man as powerfully as Jesus Christ. This book's entitled Who is Jesus? by Sarah Jarvis. Now, you'll really appreciate this uh, this particular book. It digs in to the man uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe uh, this uh, this will really answer so many of the questions that the contemporary person has in uh, uh, might have in their mind. Now look, uh, guys, if you'd like a, a copy of Who is Jesus, all you need to do is to text us at our studio text number. Our studio text number is 04 triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and in your text just put the code SA eighty six SA eight six no gap between the SA and the eighty six just SA Eight six, and that will go directly to our robot. He's a good, he's a friendly robot. Does a fantastic job. Processes literally uh, uh, hundreds of requests every single uh, sing, every single year. He really has sent out a lot of books without uh, humans having to become involved. Uh, now, uh, guys, look, he will uh, contact you, ask a bit of uh, information off you, uh, so that he can send it to you in the fastest uh, way. Uh, way possible. So if you'd like your own copy of Who is Jesus, just text that code SA86 to 04 808 11 and uh, our robot, uh, we call him Faithful, uh, he will uh, uh, he'll make contact with you, get some details off you and then uh, send you uh, this uh, this book. You'll really uh, come to appreciate all that is uh, uh, all that's revealed in that uh, in that book. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q and A with Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church, and today uh, we're talking about. Jesus Christ. It is the lead up to Christmas. Uh, and what we're wanting to know this week is did the Old Testament really foretell uh, Jesus Christ? And uh, to me, this is such an important question. Now, to me, this is exciting uh, because in the New Testament, the apostles are constantly quoting from their Bible. And their Bible is, of course, what we would call the Old Testament. Uh, they, they believe that the Old Testament spoke powerfully to the, uh, to their era about this man, Jesus Christ. They saw in Jesus the fulfillment of prophecy. And to me, as I, to us, as we, as we dig into this subject this week, we want to look at that exact question because we believe it gives a remarkable understanding of Jesus Christ. Eric, 
Those claims that those ancient prophets made, they really are remarkable. They truly are, you know, and it's interesting that the predictions made in Scripture uh, and prophecy have already come true. There are many that are still waiting to come true. For example, you know, we often talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and yet before he comes the second time, he had to come the first time. And there are many, many predictions in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah, the coming of Jesus. It's foretold throughout all of the Old Testament. Every page basically screams out to us about Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's where we've got to take the old and the new because the old looks forward to the new, but the new often will actually go back to the old. And it's interesting, Pastor Gary, that often it's said this way, the new is in the old concealed. In other words, Jesus' name may not be revealed in the Old Testament, but the the new is in the old concealed. The old and the new is revealed. Mm. That statement refers to the fact that there are many events, people, and prophecies in the Old Testament which are more or less obscure, but which foreshadow people, events, and prophetic fulfillments in the New Testament, which makes it clear. And Jesus Christ was is revealed right through out the old it's concealed but then it becomes absolutely clear in the new testament that's why the two have to go hand in hand together yeah and, and i think what you make the point that you make there is so very important because there are so many certainly people from a, a christian perspective that uh will will say look you know yeah i'm a i'm a new testament christian and the old testament is actually overlooked uh in a way that i believe actually does an Injustice. Uh, do you know one of the things that really stands out to me is uh, in uh, the end of uh, Luke's gospel, you get uh, uh, the story of the road to Emmaus, and of course Christ goes and joins two two apostles uh, while they are walking to to Emmaus. And uh, one of the well, it's it is actually stated twice there that Christ, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, mm. of course, the scriptures to Jesus was what we would call the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. Mm. But somehow Christ saw in the Old Testament things concerning himself. And then in the, uh, you know, just later in the same chapter, when, uh, when they're sitting at a meal together, he says essentially the same thing. Uh, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, to me, this is powerful, Eric, because uh, what it's saying is that uh, Jesus certainly believed that the Old Testament spoke of and prophesied about him and his disciples actually believed exactly the same thing because you find continually in the Gospels you find them quoting from their Bible. Yes, and a lot of the um, religious leaders were attacking Jesus and, and actually calling him a blasphemer because he was claiming these things from the Old Testament Indeed. that they couldn't actually put together. Uh, it's interesting in John 5.46 because Jesus there says, uh, if you believe Moses, you will believe me for he wrote about me. Mm. And he's telling them directly, look, I, I am who I am. I am 
I am claiming who I am, the Messiah. And yet they could not see it. And they didn't think that what was written in the old was actually talking about Jesus. Uh, and so Jesus actually spoke in the New Testament and he referred back to the, some scriptures. It's about three or four or more passages where he refers back and he talks uh, about himself yeah. that was revealed in the Old Testament. But it's interesting, Pastor Gary, that um, uh, how can we trust Bible prophecy? You know, how can mm. we trust that? That the these words are correct. Well, the answer is found in Scripture. It's very self. Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one to twenty two says, "You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet claim, proclaims in his name, in the name of the Lord, does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously to do not so, not to be alarmed. So it's saying here that if if, uh, if something is said by a prophet, uh, claimed by Jesus, and it's not true, then it means that that is he's not speaking the truth. In other words, if it doesn't come to pass, yes, then it's not true. And so, what Jesus, what he, what Jesus said throughout, and you, we can all check what Jesus says, and they've all come true. Yeah. Uh, and the prophecies, and we're gonna we're gonna look at some of those today. And Eric, you know, before you actually about. go there, because yeah. I do want you to go there, mm. but you know, I'm so conscious that we live in such a uh, a secular world. World that has become naturalistic in its yes. belief form, so that everything has to be explained according to you know a natural you know this is the way things happen naturally. But you know the Bible isn't written from that type of perspective. It's written from the perspective of um, of a divine of a supernatural God. It presupposes its worldview, if you like, is that beyond the natural world, mm. there is something greater that human, humanity hasn't yet uh, come to understand and even been able to explore. And to me, if you think of uh, scientific endeavor, you've got to say, hey, how true that is. I mean, there's mm. so much there. Well, uh, the thing is, what excites me about the scriptures, Pastor Gary, is that it is supernatural, but it's backed up by history. Yes. It's backed up by facts. It's not just something that we pulled out of the air and Jesus claims to have happened. You can look back and see what he said, and then you can look down the time of history and see these things being fulfilled that have been fulfilled and are yet to be fulfilled. And it's so exciting because um, a lot of uh, people who criticize the Bible just think we're talking about airy-fairy stuff, mm. that this is a thing of the past, but it's not. It's all laid down as a history book. The Bible is actually a history book. In other words, so many people say, hey, look, this is, you know, this is a faith-based religion. And to me, as I look at this, I've said to people, hey, look, you know, in the first century, this was not a faith-based religion. This was an evidence-based religion. Yes. Christianity is based on evidence. It's based on fact. Uh, this is not something that uh, can't be checked out through, as you correctly point out, through history. Mm. Through archaeology, yep. uh, through fulfilled prophecy, you can check it out if you're prepared to look at the evidence. Yep. And a lot of the people that actually backed up what Jesus was saying and took part in this history was actually pagans as well, people yeah. who did not yeah, believe, indeed. which even gives it more evidence to me yes. uh, that this is true, what we're talking about tonight. And look, Eric, before we go, yeah. I must and just encourage people to please listen to tomorrow night's program because tomorrow night's program, we're actually going to be uh, talking with a pastor David David Butcher, and uh, he's got some remarkable uh, evidence from non-biblical sources 
that he wants to share uh, share with you. This is an exciting uh, program tomorrow, so please don't miss that program. Mm. So uh, the very first um, part in the Bible that actually talked about uh, the coming of Christ uh, the first time was actually found in the Genesis 3.15 where it says, uh, not long after Paul, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So from the very beginning, right after an Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, God gave it the indication that a saviour would be coming from the seed of the woman, the woman mm. being the church. Mm. And so um, God revealed right away that this seed would be the one that would crush the head of the serpent, of Satan. We know that seed pointed to Jesus. And Moses is credited as the author of the book of Genesis. And the time of his writing was about 1,500 years before Christ was mm-hmm. actually born. Mm-hmm. So this is the very first time. So right from the beginning, when the fall happened, uh, there was the plan put into place that the Messiah would come. Yeah. Which yeah. is really wonderful to This me. gives incredible hope, doesn't it, Eric? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, to me, uh, uh, the uh, first man, the first woman had, uh, had really damaged uh, planet Earth. But it's at mm-hmm. that same time when God turns around and says, hey, look, uh, yes, uh, you have sinned. This is what the result of sin is going to be. But, but there's going to be activity on on my behalf uh, so that uh, you can actually uh, find a way uh, out of this mess. And the revelation of sin at that time, I mean, a sin took place, but then, you know, God, Christ could look right down to the end of time and see how that sin would multiply and how evil yeah, men would yeah, become. Yeah. Uh, and so in this plan of redemption, he put this into place, which was um, um, really outstanding. You know, like um, some people serve gods who, who are not living and breathing. They mm. they serve um, stone. We, we serve a living God who knows each one of us and knows what we go through. So here we, we see that he's, he's talking now about a saviour, about, um, uh, about a salvation that will come by Jesus Christ. And then the second one, which is quite interesting, Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. So what is really amazing about these prophecies is this scripture points to the manner in which he will be born and also to one of the names given to Christ, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And this was pointing both to his human birth and his divine nature. And this was written over 700 years before Christ was born. So it actually tells us back there in the Old Testament how Jesus would be born. And this, of course, was actually picked up by mm. in Matthew's gospel. Matthew yes. picks it up when he's writing his gospel. Yes. And he turns around and uh, uh, and all this was done. Uh, I could, this is Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child. And bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is a translated God with us. You know, here mm. we've got uh, Matthew picking up the prophecy, identifying it, and recording it in the New Testament. The Old and the New Testament are actually yeah. intimately linked, linked here. So important because here we see a, a continuation of, of the spirits moving, in which they understood, you know, uh, these 
prophecies. Um, they not, couldn't quite understand uh, some of them and the fulfillment of them, and, and some of them are still waiting for, for Christ uh, uh, to come the, the first time. But the thing is that when you line up the old and the new, uh, you'd have a consistency here where he's quoting, and often Jesus would quote scripture from the Old Testament when he stood up in the synagogue and claimed to be the fulfillment of those verses. And that is what rolled up the uh, religious people of the time. Uh, and they, that actually brought really about his death because mm-hmm. they did not recognize him at that mm-hmm. time. But it, it is right through the scripture if we search for it. And, and then what amazes me, Pastor Gary, is it actually shows him where, where are this Messiah is going to come from, where this uh, Jesus is going to come from. It talks about it in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, but it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Mm. Actually gives us the place yeah, out of yeah. Bethlehem. And it says not just Bethlehem, it says Bethlehem Ephratah. And Ephratah. You know, why is that so important? Well, that's important because there was more than one Bethlehem. You know, this is like saying, "Hey, it's not." You know, here in uh, here in Australia, we've got. You know, I I, I work down uh, at the Brighton Adventist Church. Well, there's a Brighton here in Adelaide. I know there's another one over in Melbourne. There's one over in Sydney. You know, this is telling us the very uh, area that Bethlehem is going to be located in. And mm. you know, again, Matthew picks this up in his gospel. So they said to him. Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd uh, my my people Israel. Mm. And uh, this is the, the leaders of the people. This isn't the apostles actually saying this. This is the leaders of the people saying it to King Herod. They know whether uh, this man, this, uh, this, uh, this king of Israel, the Messiah, is going to come from. They know it, and this is the people who do not accept Jesus uh, know it, and they tell it to King Herod, and Matthew records it in his gospel. That's powerful. Very powerful. I mean, you know, what we've looked at so far is we found in Genesis 3 that there will be a saviour that will come uh, between the uh, the um, the for the woman, out of the woman, which is the church, and uh, there'll be a different type of seed. There'll be um, evilness. There'll be Satan. But from out of this one, this one will strike and crush this uh, the serpent. And then we find that uh, in Isaiah, it talks about here that uh, the Lord himself will give a sign. A virgin tells us how uh, Jesus was to be born. Well, a virgin will conceive and, and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And then we find here out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which is the place where it will come, a small clan will arise this Messiah. Messiah, all given in the Old Testament mm. for futuristic, which is the talking about the first coming of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, which is absolutely wonderful. And so that's what's taken so far, uh, what the Bible is actually talking about. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlaster Father, the Prince of Peace. So here we see that when this child is born, unto us a son is given. And this is Jesus Christ being revealed in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And and when Jesus said to them in, in the New Testament, John eight fifty eight, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Mm. 
and I am is one of God's names revealed to Moses in Exodus. So all through here it's talking about the rising of a saviour, the rising of Jesus Christ, who is going to come at a fulfilled time from a fulfilled place, all actually identified in the Old Testament. Mm. And when we read that, we can have the confidence to know that the old and the new go together. And that I, I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I mean, that uh, passage that you just quoted in Isaiah, I think, is really important because what it does is it tells us something about the status of uh, of Jesus Christ. Just consider, for unto us a child is born. Now, you know, we've we've had, all of us have had uh, children, uh, children born. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government, now here we start to dig in what's going to actually happen. The mm. government will be upon his shoulders. Mm. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Then comes something, Mighty God. He's going to be something special. His name will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. How can Jesus Christ, how can he be called Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace? Do you know this is saying something about Jesus Christ that uh, in in all of reality cannot be said about any one of uh, Millions of billions of other births that have occurred on uh, on this uh, on this planet. But mm-hmm. look, Eric, look, let's take a, let's just take a break. Let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, I love uh, this uh, this particular song. This is uh, uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, uh, here, uh, here was a man. Uh, please, uh, uh, please enjoy uh, Johnny Cash. was a man, a man who was born in a small village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another small village. Until he reached the age of 30, he worked as a carpenter. Then for three years, he was a traveling minister. But he never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born, and where he did go, he usually walked. He never held political office, he never wrote a book, never bought a home, never had a family. He never went to college and he never set foot inside a big city. Yes, here was a man, though he never did one of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except through the divine purpose that brought him to this world. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. Most of his friends ran away. One of them denied him. One of them betrayed him and turned him over to his enemies. Then he went through the mockery of a trial and was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And even while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had in this world, and that was his robe, his purple robe. When he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave provided by compassionate friends. More than 19 centuries have come and gone, and today he's a centerpiece of the human race, our leader in the column to human destiny. I think I'm well within the mark when I say that all of the armies that ever marched, all of the navies that ever sailed the seas, All of the legislative bodies that ever sat and all of the kings that ever reigned, all of them put together, 
have not affected the life of man on this earth so powerfully as that one solitary life. Here was a man. And that was Johnny Cash, and uh, the song was Here uh, Was a Man. I haven't heard that song for uh, for many a year, but uh, uh, it sums up uh, the story uh, of Jesus Christ and the coming of Jesus Christ so, so powerfully. Folks, we do have a giveaway uh, book uh, for you today. Uh, if you'd love to be able to just share something, uh, just something small with uh, with somebody else, uh, why not request this uh, this particular book if you'd like to read it yourself as in your devotional time? Who is Jesus? Uh, all the armies that have ever marched, uh, all the navies that have ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man as powerfully as Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the theme of this book. Now, look, folks, if you'd like your own copy of uh, Who is Jesus by Sarah Davis, uh, all you need to do is to text us. Uh, that's here at uh, our uh, studio text number. Our studio text number is 04888. 80811 04888811 and all you need to put in your text is SA86 SA86 no gap between the SA and the 86 just four digits in a row SA86 and uh, that'll trigger our robot and he'll get a little bit of information off you and, and so that uh, we can get this to you in the fastest uh, way way possible uh, that number again is 04888 80811. The code is SA86 and the book is entitled Who is Jesus? Uh, but you don't even need to write that down because uh, uh, that's the book that will come to you if you put that uh, that particular code in. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Eric Hoare and uh, Eric does minister to the uh, Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and today we're asking uh, did the Old Testament really foretell Christ. Now, Eric, I've really appreciated what you've been, uh, uh, what you've actually been been sharing. Uh, we have about uh, about ten minutes uh, left. Can you just bring it? Well, what other prophecies are there of the uh, coming of Jesus Christ? Well, it's interesting, Pastor Gary, that there are actually deeper ways that Jesus is found in the Old Testament, and often we call these types. You know, a type is a person or a thing in the Old Testament that foreshadows a person or or a thing in the New. For example the tabernacle, the sacrificial system and the Passover, all types of Christ's redemption. In addition, some of the lives of the Old Testament characters reflect elements of the life of Christ. Moses, like Jesus, spoke for God, confronted the evil powers of the day and led his people to freedom through a miraculous deliverance. The life of Joseph is another that seems to model the life of Christ. And we for example, we actually look at uh, uh, Abraham. God called Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham uttered these prophetic uh, words in response to Isaac's question about a lamb. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering of my son. And God did provide a, la- a ram in Isaac's place, symbolizing that he, what he would do thousands of years later on that very mountain when his own son was offered as a sacrifice in our place. And so we find that throughout the Old Testament here, we find that Jesus Christ came, predicted to come, his life 
given in service, uh, revealing the Father to all, and rejected by uh, the known world at that time, the religious world, and that he would end up being the sacrificial lamb, as was shown in the Old Testament when he provided that sacrifice on the cross. What a blessing it is that we know our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, right throughout Psalms, if somebody asked me, is there proof of Jesus in the Old Testament? I would point them to Psalms 22, where it goes through there in verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in uh, Psalm 22, 7 to 8, All who see me mock me. They hurl insult, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him. And in Psalms 22, 16 to 18, Dogs surrounded me, a pack of villains and circled me. They pierced my hands and my feet, and they divide my clothes up. Uh, all my bones are on display. And and all these things are actually revealed in the New Testament, where in Matthew it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Matthew twenty seven thirty nine they mocked and held insults. And so it goes on that the two the whole life of Christ is actually revealed, not just his coming, yeah. but the whole ministry of Jesus Christ revealed right to the point where they used to take the lamb and take him in to be sacrificed, that Jesus would come as a lamb, he would come and as a baby, the lamb of God, and that he would go right through his life to end up being that sacrificial and that's lamb. that's so important, Eric. You know, a lot of people don't realize why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. The Jews, of course, function with a sacrificial system. There was a lamb. You know, how significant is it that when Jesus was crucified, the scriptures record that the lamb that was ready to be uh, destroyed, uh, was ready to uh, be sacrificed, uh, actually uh, did actually escape, uh, did actually get or get away. Mm. You know, to me, as I, as I look at this, you know, the, the, the veil in the temple, which was mm. a quarter of an inch thick, Mm. was split from top to bottom uh, by some supernatural hand. And, you know, I, I, it sort of comes to me, uh, Isaiah 53 mm. uh, really says a great deal to me. Just, just listen to these words because to me they speak powerfully to me. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness. And when we saw him, there was no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, Eric, as I as I read that passage in Isaiah fifty three, it says so much to me about the work of of the Messiah. Uh, Isaiah is being called by some the gospel prophet uh, because uh, the uh, because of the way he presents the gospel in the Old Testament. And here in Isaiah 53 you get as good a summary of the death of Jesus Christ and all it means as 
any part of the New Testament. And what is so sad, Pastor Gary, is that here, when they were going through the illegal trial, when they went through the cruelty of, of Jesus Christ, that they did not know what they were doing, that here was the Lamb of God. Yeah. Here was the one that was predicted in the Old Testament, the way he would come, where he would come from, how he was to be born. All that was laid there before them, but they still did not receive him, even though he did the miracles and healed the sick and helped the poor and his such wisdom of words that brought relief to the multitudes. People flocked to the Lamb of God because they were drawn by his power, by the by the peace that he brought them. This was the Messiah in practice here, yet they did not recognize him. They did not see him to be the Lamb of God, and they they actually crucified him, which is so sad. And, and what makes it really sad is Isaiah 53, 9, where he says, He was signed a grave with the wicked. And with the rich and his dead, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And when you read these scriptures, it's amazing how accurate, how reliable Bible prophecies are. And if you consider the test of the truth of prophecy mentioned in Deuteronomy, the Bible f- passes with flying colors mm. that what was foretold took place. Mm. But the human world did not recognize Jesus coming this way. They wanted a powerful king. They, as today, we, we expect a leader to be out the front and, and being in total control. Here was somebody that came as a babe, who came with nothing, who had nothing of his own that he mm. owned, really, the way he lived, and yet they did not accept him because they were looking for the Messiah in a, in a, in a different way. And so you and I, as we see these things about Jesus, we must be careful in our own lives that we understand what Jesus tells us in scripture that the greatest piece of all is just to accept Jesus Christ to live by faith to study the scriptures to get to know our Jesus Christ so that when he comes again we recognize him that we are ready and waiting for Jesus to come again because the first time he came many people did not recognize him that is that is incredibly uh, that is such a concise summary of everything that uh, uh, that the scriptures are painting, you know, you've got this. You know, I, I think of even uh, Daniel, Daniel chapter nine. You know, to me, Daniel chapter nine is a powerful passage because what it does is uh, uh, that's a, a prophecy that talks about the coming of the Messiah, and uh, it actually puts. Dates yes. uh, on the. Have you got anything on yeah. this? On no, that? that's another subject. On it, that would take a long. Oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, Eric. Mm. To me, this is something that I, I I wish we were actually able to get into because mm. Daniel chapter nine is such a wonderful passage mm. that talks about the time, the dating of Jesus Christ coming. Mm. It's uh, it's one passage that uh, uh, you know I I I would I would refer. Uh, listeners too, if they want to look at uh, uh, look at this uh, this subject more uh, more fully, uh, Eric. Anything else to to bring us together? Just in conclusion, um, when we look back on these Old Testament prophecies, there's one thing you know we can all take away from this that the Bible can be trusted. It is a living, active Word of God, old and new, and you can depend on what God has spoken in His Word. What has been predicted has either already come to pass or it will come to pass. It's just a matter of time. And uh, in Matthew 5.18, he 
He says there, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And Matthew 24-35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever pass away. So when all is said and done, every prophecy has been fulfilled. God's word will stand and we can count on that. So the Son of God is not just in the New Testament. Jesus is in the Old Testament too. Jesus is God's promised Messiah from the virgin birth in Bethlehem through the sojourn to Egypt to his ministry of healing and hope all the way through to his resurrection. Jesus Christ is the theme of both the old and new. It could be said that Jesus is the reason for the Bible. He is the living word. The entire Bible is a beacon that points us to God's offer of reconciliation, the hope and forgiveness and eternal life through the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a, what a powerful summary that is. Folks, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you uh, for uh, sending your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for the salvation that's been offered so full and so rich. Uh, Lord, thank you for being the creator. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, uh, the world this season does actually slow down uh, as they start to give gifts to one another. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might help us uh, to draw closer to Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who is your ultimate gift to all of humanity. Uh, Lord, if there's some way that we can share that gift with somebody else this Christmas season. Mm. I pray that you might be the one to open that door. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor David Butcher is going to join with me and we're going to be looking at that question, did Jesus really exist or is he just a myth like Santa Claus? Uh, and we're going to be digging into some fantastic evidence, extra biblical evidence uh, for the existence of Jesus Christ. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace uh, that I give uh, isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.